0: Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiology and sports nutrition professor of about 17 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder.
2: Yeah, and this is Phil Stevens. I run Strength Guild, so I'm a coach of various athletes. I also do Highland game strongman, powerlifting, you know, kind of anything that has to do with strength.
0: Yeah, so. you got to pause and think about all the things you, you can yeah, you know. do. <laughs> you know, over the years, you've always been the the resident competitor. Uh, not many people, in, in my experience, compete as much as you do in as many different things. But that's that's what makes you
2: cool. Yeah, they were trying. There's a Highland game today. They were trying to talk me into stepping back out on the field today, and I was like, oh, I, I was real close to doing it, but I got that big meet coming up in November. I was like, I'm gonna play the, I'm gonna be the smart older man and say no. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, yeah. And I'll come back to that when I don't have something else. I'm my luck. I'll go out there and tweak something. You know. Right. Especially and because it's
0: more ex- explosive and sort of athletic. and like, Yeah, so. and I just haven't done it in a while. So. Yeah, well, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you didn't prep yep. for it really. Yeah. Yep. Okay. We have a little bit of news as usual. Uh, we're going to talk about protein today because it's back in the news. A lot of listeners know that's one of the things that I've researched in the lab. I mean, we have a book. With, actually fills on the cover of that book. There's an ad mid-show where we talk about the science of protein, like what's out there. Now, the truth is with a book – You can only present information up to the point that the book is published, right? That's one of the drawbacks. But there's a huge volume, like collection of stuff, from culinary stuff to cell chemistry and uh, potential side effects. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about today because, again, protein, almost the protein witch hunt is sort of in the news. But before we get there, let me offer a few tidbits. um, Strength and Muscle Sport News. A lot of listeners know that in addition to uh, protein, that we also, I think all of us on the show have an interest in coffee. Uh, There is a New York coffee festival coming up in mid-October, October October 13th to 15th. So if people are really interested in coffee, uh, there's educational talks. Uh, it's like all the coffee you can drink. There's a lot of fun stuff going on. I'm sure there'll be a little alcohol there and things like that as well. But I'm very interested in learning more and more on the culinary side because everything that I look at is the, like the physiological response. You know, what does is, what is coffee or caffeine do to your nervous system or whatever, um, explosiveness in lifts? But I'm, I'm increasingly interested in the food science part of that, especially because we went to that food science, that big convention uh, in Vegas this past summer, but... So yeah, the New York Coffee Festival Check it out, October 13th to 15th We may give a lecture there On the health effects of coffee But that's not really the reason I'm going uh, And I'm not even sure if I'm going to do that yet so, um, so there you go Check it out if you're within driving distance I think of downtown New York City Just Google it um, What else? Uh, oh, I mentioned the coffee festival I should, I'm should i bouncing around here But I am drinking uh, prototype coffee that I brewed this morning. I I can't really talk more about it, Uh, Phil knows, but uh, stay tuned for updates. There's some very interesting things that I think you can do with coffee to enhance sort of the the nootropic effect, uh, you know, concentration or central nervous system things, which I've been looking at over the years. I really focused on performance, of course, but there's some really interesting things you can do with coffee. And I'll let people know, like, part of this is a taste test. Phil, I'm going to have to send you some, like, a batch so you can taste it, too. My, my number one concern is, to, does this taste really good, you mm-hmm. know? And so, anyway, so that'll be fun to kind of give people updates on that. Again, it's, it's sort of just a project of mine. But, um, yeah, after a while, you, you know, you're in the lab all the time or you're in the gym all the time. It makes you wonder about, you know, if you're an authority on something or you've learned a lot about it, why not advance the field in some way? So that's kind of where I'm going with that. So sipping on my special coffee here. I'll let people know. Um, what. Oh, and let me add, how many times over the years have you seen a website or a magazine sort of talk about this research batch nonsense and try to generate a buzz? That's not what I'm doing here. I'm really drinking this. This is just something <laughs> that I do. It's just a project. So, and I know, Phil, you have an interesting coffee. So,
2: yeah.
0: Okay, so let's get into this protein news here um john uh through ironradio.org sent an email uh and then the, this is starting to blow up all over the social media as well um australian bodybuilder with rare disorder dies eating high protein diet this is from cnn um let me give you the quick rundown if you haven't heard about this this uh lady uh, Megan, or Megan Hefford, she's a 25-year-old bodybuilder from Australia. She was found dead in her apartment. She's a mom, right? So this is a tragic thing. Um, Essentially, she has urea cycle disorder. If people aren't familiar, the urea cycle is a very important aspect of your liver. It's a biochemical pathway, and if you eat lots of extra protein, right, protein is the only macronutrient that has nitrogen in it, and you need to turn that into urea, and then your kidneys can filter you know that urea into urine hence the name um but if you can't run your urea cycle and turn extra nitrogen from amino acids and protein uh, into urea uh, which is a waste product mostly uh, it has some body fluid uh, effects as well but um you end up with lots of ammonia right essentially a uh, bleach building up in your in your bloodstream and it can be very toxic to your nervous system um So uh, if I look at Twitter, which I did this morning, I was looking at, I think it's Joey Antonio's feed, uh, but there's a variety of things going on on Twitter, uh, and there were some interesting comments on here about what we should really be doing is educating the people about underlying disorders, right? Here's one from Chrissy Kendall, PhD, she says, how about we educate the public on Uh, rare genetic disorders rather than continue to spread information about dietary supplements. It's a good point. So good on her for, uh, for sharing that. So uh, Phil, I know that on the, on our Facebook sort of forums, iron radio listeners page, you had made a comment about if this was carbs and diabetes, no one would be doing this.
2: Yeah. And it's just fact. I mean, if, if some lady or man had, you know, type was type two or type one diabetic and, you know, they ate a bunch of donuts and died, there wouldn't be this big play. I was like, oh, the Dunkin' Donuts killed her. No, she was, she screwed up. You know? Right, right. It, it was her disorder that killed her. That's right. You know? And it's, you know.
0: Yeah, the analogy so. is, is a really good one, right? I'm not sure. Now, I know carbs get, there's a lot of anti-carb sentiment in like the fitness community, but I can tell you the healthcare community is, is reluctant, or at least it has been over the decades, to sort of give equal treatment to carbs, like they kind of demonize proteins and fats for whatever reason, you know, and even with the realization to scientists that there are many different kinds of fats and that kind of thing, and what we're going to talk after the break, everyone, about different kinds of protein, too. There's different levels of protein quality and, you know, and that kind of thing, but it's a good point. If she ate a donut, a diabetic person, you know, who was really out of control... Uh, or had some other carbohydrate disorder, yeah. ate a donut and died, I, I don't think you'd, you'd see it anywhere, which is, yeah. which is interesting, right? Because if, yes. if carbs are so benign to a big chunk of the sort of healthcare authorities, uh,
2: I don't know. You, One thing I wish that they reported, I would love to know how much protein she was eating. How much, you know, because it says she just overdosed on protein. How much? You know, yeah, it's a good point. I, I'm, I'm betting it wasn't as much as everybody thinks, oh, you know, a, a, it was probably an, a gram or less per pound a day, I would, it would be my guess.
0: Yeah, uh, this is saying just high-protein diet, and yes. you know what, I can tell you by presenting research on how high-protein diets don't harm your kidneys and they don't weaken your bones and all of that sort of thing over the years, one of the first things you have to do, yeah, is define the dose, right, yeah. is... What do, what do you mean by high protein? In fact, I started yes. changing my wording to ample protein intakes or higher protein intakes, yeah. uh, meaning higher than the average gen pop person who might eat 15% of their calories from protein. Yeah. I think a lot of lifters, you're going to see more like 30%. You know, And they've set all kinds of limits. And again, the, the book that we talk about mid-show, it really references a lot of that stuff, how little evidence there is so, um, uh, by the way, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that CNN piece that I saw that I was turned on to, f- uh, from John, that's by Susan, uh, Scutti or Scooty at CNN. So, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that after the break. I think it might, it's a, it's a reminder. Maybe we could talk about what we do with clients or patients and that kind of thing. And yeah, what high protein is stuff like that. What else? Um, any news from the lifting world? What's going on? At Strength guild. Oh well, well,
2: we got the Highland Games today. I'm busy as usual. It's gonna be a busy fall. I have uh, a youth competition coming up for some of my weightlifters, and then like two weeks after that, up to the American Open Series, and then weeks after that, out to California for all of us are gearing up for the Record Breakers Meet. So, where I'm going to, I, I, I would say attempt, but I'm gonna squat 700 on a on a fake hip. So, yeah. um and yeah, so I mean. That's about it. I don't want to sound like the
0: worried grandma, but I don't have to tell you be careful. You've been around <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's the only thing I worry about nowadays. It's not, the only thing I worry about squatting is, like, as far as I know, I'm in uncharted territory. Uh, like, I don't, I don't think a, a hip has ever been tested in this way. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing I worry about. Is like, what happens if this thing flies apart on me in the bottom right. of a squat? Yeah. So Well, uh, like you said, no.
0: if something goes wrong, it's going to go way yes. wrong.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's not gonna go a little bit wrong. So we'll <laughs> see. I mean, uh everything feels good. Um I I haven't went over much over six ten, but uh I don't need to. Mm-hmm. So until real close to the meet, but I guess everything feels good. Are under, you
0: don't get to pick your spotters, do you? you, know, you no. Because no,
2: but knowing Jesse, I mean this is gonna be a big meet and I'm gonna be in the flight with the big lifters and they'll have four well, I think it, what is it? And once the bar reaches six, I think they're required to have five spotters.
0: Okay. So, oh, okay.
2: So, yeah, you have two on each side and one in the back. Um, right. So it might be worth pretty... saying something in advance.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Are you it, they me? all know. Okay. I mean, okay. So I
2: mean, they all know what I'm dealing with. And I know
0: you don't yeah. want to be like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, <laughs> give, give the old man special attention. Yeah. He's like, pop, you know, so. <laughs> But yeah, still. No, I
2: mean, I'll let my way up there and, and get it done. But, uh, you yeah. know, I feel good. I mean, I'm, I'm light. So the real eating starts here in about four weeks. So I want to get to 280. Is where I'd like to be. Um, I'm about 262 right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm up from where I was, but I feel good. It's hard to eat. For me, like summer's the worst because it's so freaking hot here. Yeah. It's, it's hard to cram yourself full and then go stand in the gym that's 100 degrees.
0: Yeah. You know? No, I get it. You're just miserable. So Yeah, the gym where I train bodybuilders in Akron, there's no central air. I mean, he's got some big industrial fans, but that's about it. Yeah, in Midwest summer,
2: rough. Yeah, it's just so. Um, no, other than that, uh, we're getting ready to put out the barbell open again. Oh, right. So that's going to be coming up. And this year, I decided to take some big moves, and I've got the okay from USA Weightlifting and from USPA. So it's going to be sanctioned this year. So uh, the open portion will be just as it was, uh, not sanctioned. You can't really sanction something online. Um, But that will lead to uh, real meets that are basically the open is the qualifier. Mm -hmm. You can't do the meet unless you qualify through the open. And then you'll go to a real uh, sanctioned powerlifting or weightlifting meet. So pull that off. Other than that, man, just, just gearing up. I mean, what, the Olympia's coming up? And... You know, we're back, this year's flying by, so.
0: Yeah, it sure is. <clears throat> Agreed. I mean, we're going to have a slightly shorter episode today, everybody, partly because, yeah, the university, the semester starts. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, this is something Phil and I do to give back, and at the same time, there's realities with how much time we have certain times of the year. So Yeah, oddly enough,
2: I get kicked in when college and stuff gets back in, too, because I got, basically, I get kids leaving who come to see me all summer to mm-hmm. get in shape. Mm-hmm. And then I have the kids that are coming back uh, to universities locally here. Right. Makes so sense. I get this change of the guard. You know, there goes those kids. Okay, here comes these ones. Let's get them all rolling. And uh, it's always interesting to see who who got stronger over the summer and who didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, how much did you lose? Yep. Uh,
0: so, yeah, summer is yeah. always sort of weird for me because on one level, it seems like there's a drop-off in people engaging with stuff like podcasts. Um, yeah. And then on the flip side, people are getting more active in other ways. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like funny, like fall becomes like, let's once things settle, maybe by late September, it's fun. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Your temperatures are cooler. Yeah. Like you were saying, you could, you, you just mass gain phase, stuff like yeah. that. It, it becomes a very fun time of the year. And then things really kind of kick up in a, in the fitness world in I would argue probably around February, February, March, people start thinking about getting that fat off of them again. But summer is yeah. always that weird that weird season. Like people are out doing vacations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it's hard to gauge, like you said, who's getting stronger over the summer. Like if you want to make gains relative to your competitors, summer might be a good time when other people are screwing around. I don't know.
2: Well, oddly enough, I mean, the winter months. Well, fall, winter, and spring is also when like the big stuff happens in, in uh, oh, fitness yeah. in general. Well, in strength, in the strength world, I guess we got CrossFit Games right in the middle of summer, which happened. But I mean, as far as the Olympia, the Arnold, the World's Strongest Man, the bub, you know, it's all. Yeah, it's usually not right there in the hottest months. Right, so, colder months. Uh,
0: yeah. Um, all right. Uh, before we go to break here. Uh, just, I'm going to let everybody know, we have an Iron Radio intern helping us out, Kayla. She is setting up an Iron Radio Instagram page. Uh, I actually started one. I'm not going to put a bunch of lifting stuff on mine, but still, there's some of the things that I stumble across, like that coffee festival. I'll mention it on the show, but um, my Instagram is just Lonnie Lowry, all one word. So I know not everybody can spell that well. I'm not going to spell it out for you, but... Uh, Phil, I know you put some stuff on Instagram, too. When we mm-hmm. had the guys from Mind Pump on, they put a ton of stuff on their Instagram page, and I thought, well, that's just something I've never really done. I kind of do Twitter and nothing else. Yeah. I really don't like Facebook and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So uh, I don't know. Check it out. It might be some fun stuff. If I if do something in the kitchen, and usually it's got sort of a, a health-related recipe or something or some of my favorite quotes or stuff like that. But I'm trying to keep the... Lonnie Lowry Instagram page separate from the Iron Radio Instagram page. But I just want to have more presence out there and cross pollinating mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, we've always been that well if people can find Iron Radio, good, they win. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if not, then, you know, we've got our own we've got our own people to deal with.
2: So Yeah, our our marketing staff is not very good. No. No. no so.
0: Yeah. Well, like like you were just saying, you got a gym to run, I got classes yeah. to teach and a lab to work in and you know. Uh, It's it's the authenticity is the price, you know. Okay, Uh, let's go to break. Uh, When we come back, I've got some further questions about protein and the kind of messages that we would share as coaches or dietitians with clients and patients. So we'll be right back. All right, everyone, we're back. Uh, it's Phil and Lonnie, and we have Dr. John Mike with us, and we're we're going to wrestle a little bit more with protein. There's lots to talk about in sports nutrition and protein and, and that sort of thing. I was mentioning uh, Joey Antonio, Dr. Jose Antonio. He's got a lot of this sort of stuff spilling out onto his Twitter feed. You might want to check that out through um, the International Society of Sports Nutrition. He'll put a little image up. Um, one of the things that came out that – honestly confuses me a little is there was a uh, paper that came out in the Journal of Nutrition last year. Uh, I think it's Gorson and colleagues, but uh, the title on this little Twitter summary is wheat versus casein versus whey protein, which increases muscle protein synthesis more. Uh, And this is what I find odd. It says results, casein wins. Consuming 35 grams of casein was superior to 35 grams of whey or wheat. Now, I'm not surprised about wheat, right? Wheat has gluten and proteins like that in there. They're not very high value, right, as far as traditional ways we look at protein quality. But the fact that it's increasing muscle protein synthesis more than whey, I find that very odd, right? Because I've always – my understanding is that whey, because of the leucine content – is the amino acid profile is fast. It gets in your blood fast. It's got a lot of leucine, right? It's got that critical three-ish grams of leucine, and it it triggers growth, muscle protein synthesis. This actually says after the meal, there was a greater rise in muscle protein synthesis with casein. Uh, I'm going to have to dig into this more. We might even have Dr. Antonio come on uh, or Stu Phillips or someone who's a a real authority in this. Um, Again, I'm not surprised there was a lower anabolic response muscle tissue wise to the plant proteins um it is worth noting though that this is not the first time i've heard that you can simply consume more plant proteins and it does at least partially compensate for the lower quality so i don't want to bore everybody with the details but there are different ways over the years that we've looked at protein quality not just complete like animal proteins are complete right milk and eggs and meat versus incomplete, which is plants, because they're missing one or more essential or indispensable amino acids. But there's, you know, over the years, you've seen it on c- uh, containers of protein, like PER, protein efficiency ratio. There's biological value. Um, there's the PDCAAS that I talk about in sports nutrition class, the protein digestibility corrected amino acid score. But the point is all of these things, they try to look at, again, the digestibility, how much... Mon- how valuable in a sense for growth the proteins are Uh, because protein is not a preferred fuel in the body right it's more of a building block thing for immune system for muscle tissue for just lots of things certain hormones enzymes so um, there's lots of ways to look at the protein quality and i'm i don't know john do you know have you seen anything about this casein being actually more anabolic than whey because that
1: no i i haven't actually and that's kind of interesting because I mean, when you think of the anabolic properties of amino acids, I mean, it's always – there's always this battle of, like, whey versus casein and which one to take before or after. And there's combinations um, that that I've done in studies with, of course, Stu Phillips and and, and, uh, and other, you know, known researchers. But, I mean, typically, I mean, whey is, you know, a little bit more anabolic. I mean, casein, most people – You know, usually take casein at night because it's just slower digestible. But I mean, but then you know, you can take it after you know workouts or mix with weight, whey, and casein. It's it's just you know what I mean. It's kind of like saying um, you know what gets you bigger biceps, like barbell curls or dumbbell curls. You know, I mean. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, that's it's good. I
0: agree. I agree. I think the take-home message. One of the reasons I wanted to even bring that up. I don't want to confuse people, but I think a take-home message might be that. Dairy proteins are really good. I mean, if, if you're going to put a, a value judgment on them, right, whey and casein, a lot of people realize, but milk is mostly casein, about 80%, about 20% of its whey. The curds in cottage cheese, that's casein curds, right? And a lot of our listeners know these things, but I really don't differentiate. I tend to consume whey-casein blends when I get like a protein powder, you know, so... Right. Just, I, I would, I would consider that. I wouldn't leave meat out of the picture. Uh, I don't think any of us are going to do that because we just like to eat. You know. Um, in fact, th- there's one more bit on here from Dr. Antonio's feed: weight training plus lean red meat increases health related quality of life. So they took a hundred. Uh, in this case, it was women, and they took older women. They had them weight trained twice a week for four months. And then they consumed and added 160 grams per day of cooked lean red meat versus carbs, right? A, a similar amount of carbs. The result was that the lean meat group improved in overall health-related quality of life as well as muscle strength, again, in relation to the carb group. So uh, that's from Torres and colleagues, British Journal of Nutrition, just this year, 2017. So, um, you know, you, you can really simplify this down, and maybe that's the value of having a podcast like this is eat lots of meat. You know, drink your milk. Yeah. Um, whey is also good, those sorts of things. So,
2: Get some high-quality protein. Train hard.
0: Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, And even the stuff about you can make up for some of the, the lesser value, the lesser quality of plant proteins by simply eating more. Okay, bring it. You know, yeah. eat a pound of pasta instead of half a pound. I don't know. So, um, all right. So here's some questions for you guys. Phil, let me ask you this, uh, and I'll ask you too, Dr. Mike, but um, why do you personally seek extra protein? Or is that probably not even the right way to say it? Do you really seek extra protein, or are you just eating huge amounts of food in general?
2: Hmm. No, I I think I definitely lean towards that. Yeah, Um, yeah, I lean that direction, but, I mean, it's – I don't know. I mean, it's good. I, it's delicious. Yeah. You know, I personally, right. you know, I like a big steak, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to go down, sit down and have this, a huge thing of mashed potatoes and a little tiny steak. It's just not as satisfying. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> right. Yeah, I get it. I switch it up vice versa. And I don't know, it's, it's, part of that. it's cultural, you know, and that's the way it's always been for us. You know, it's you, like you had your meat and potato, the, the, the side was the side. Um, but, I mean, it, also, I think a lot of it is I know it keeps me full longer. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have to eat as often. I'm not starving. So, I mean, I really don't track it. Now, I did more when I was dieting down because I have to. Mm-hmm. But now, as of the sheer amounts of stuff I'm eating, I don't have to, like, I know I'm getting that much. You know, yeah. just by default. I'm getting enough. Um, so, I don't have to be anal about quality. Make sure you get your protein in. You know? Right. Because I'm, gonna, I know I'm going to sit down to a pound steak tonight and something for lunch and something, you know, whatever. Right. So, yeah, I just make sure I have something with every meal. Um. You know that stuff that came out last year from
0: Robert Wolfe's lab, where he was suggesting 70 grams may have advantages mm-hmm. for whole body. I think it was muscle protein synthesis over the typical. 20 to 40 that you often hear and it again it just kind of comes back to this old idea Arnold Schwarzenegger even used to promote which is I rather get a little excess than not enough yeah. you know Absolutely. and so Yeah. unless you're dieting like you're saying but even then you know if it's lean sources of protein if it's chicken breast or round steak and things like that all right okay you know um what about you John do you do you purposely seek extra protein? And if you do, why? Is it recovery? Is it for the building blocks? You personally?
1: It's re- yeah. It's really. I mean, it's really for everything. I mean, one of the things that I've done probably over the last uh, maybe eight months or so. I mean, I've always eaten like a lot of a lot of protein for the recovery purposes, for the anabolic purposes. Um, and but really, I mean, I, I'm not eating huge amounts of food right now just because I'm not in competition mode. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, I always have some type of protein with every meal. I mean, with breakfast it's usually five or six eggs, you know, so with every meal it's something whether it's chicken or turkey or or whatever it is, but um, it's also, you know, if I'm not if I'm, if I'm not in competition mode, I mean, my RMR is typically in between 4 and 4,500 calories per day, and most of that is is I've actually eaten a little bit more fat and higher proteins and kind of lower the carbs, just kind of gradually over the last several months. And I've I've maintained my same body weight, uh, which is I mean it's not it's not a huge culture shock, you know. Most people will actually really tell you that, but I don't really know of a lot of strength athletes that don't eat high calories or don't eat high protein and expecting to either maintain a high ratio of lean body mass or get leaner or maintain a respectable level of strength, like without it, you know? So, I mean, the more calories that you consume, obviously your, your total protein requirement goes down. Um, you know, the lower, the lower the content, your total protein requirement, you know, actually goes up. But you know, if, if you can, if you want to lower carbs and, there, and there's different you know, methods to really use, I mean, if you want to lower your carbs and the protein requirement and the fat, you know, typically has to go up. So I've actually upped my fat intake a little bit and, and and maintaining um higher protein and I really haven't seen huge, huge decrements in strength. Probably the biggest decrement I've seen is just within my deadlift and I say it's about fifty pounds. And but um you know, because I just recently moved, you know, my 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 straining and my strength has kind of gone down a little bit, but um, I'm still maintaining you know, body weight, but yeah, it's all, it's for the recovery. It's the, it's the satiety. It's, um, you know, resting energy expenditures, thermic effect of food. Like it's all that stuff.
0: Yeah. You know, you know I,
2: mm-hmm.
0: as the sort of token guy who is double majoring, that's not the right word in grad school, but I was sort of going to school in two departments. And so my advisor, Peter Lemon, who's a very famous protein researcher, he'd say, Lonnie, I need you to go over to the experimental kitchen and make, Uh, no-bake protein cookies, and I would make them with whey and casein and soy, so we could do comparisons and research and whatnot uh, and that kind of stuff. But I remember one of the things he said back then was, because I'm like, can't we just give them the shakes? And I remember him saying, well, you know, most people simply cannot comply with a diet that's more than 50% liquid, you know, for the long haul. You can do that for a while. But to your guys' point about it's it's satisfying to sit down to a big Mm -hmm. steak, you know, and that's, I think, the cookies... It kind of played that role. They were just sort of peanut butter, chocolate, oatmeal, but then they had scoops of the different proteins. And it also gave me a lot of insight how different they were and how you would disguise them if you wanted to with different flavors, you know, like peanut yeah, butter, cover soy, you know, stuff like that. But
1: I think a lot of people forget, too, like when it comes like to the steak and the, and, and, and the actual meat. I mean, yes, the first thing you think about is protein, but it also has other – important nutrients and micronutrients in them too like meat has like zoo chemicals it's got cla it's got you know conjugated linoleic acid i mean it's got healthier fats it's got omegas like it's got other things in it carnosine yeah exactly i mean it's i mean meat has believe it or not meat has creatine in it but i mean you would have to eat like 10 pounds of uncooked steak to get the relative same quantity as you did taking five grams of creatine but of a supplement um, yeah Yeah. Yeah. So it's got other things that are just equally important.
0: Right on. Yeah. It's It's a good point. You hear so much about phytochemicals, right? P-H-Y-T-O from plants. And then, yeah, you overlook the stuff like the carnosine and the creatine and things like that. It should only make sense, I would think, if you can let go of a lot of strong personal beliefs and look at the just the ecosystem like the food chain of course meat is going to be very nutrient rich right those mm-hmm. those cows graze on low quality grasses all day so you don't have to <laughs> in, yeah. a, in a kind of you know thing so yeah um okay so I, I we kind of covered my second question already which is do you pay attention to specific proteins it sounds like not so much and let's face <laughs> it if you're eating copious amounts of food it's probably not a problem get yourself some dairy Eggs, I love eggs for breakfast. I kind of go back and forth between either uh, I have oats and berries with like a whey casein mix uh, tossed in, or I have eggs. Mm -hmm. You know, I go back and forth just because they're culinary-wise, you know, it's just different experience, I guess. Um, But, yeah, obsessing over whether something has a slightly higher biological value or PDCAAS on the quality Mm -hmm. scale, mm, you know. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's a, a huge issue. A lot of the really incomplete proteins that you talk about over the years, and I talk about this in sports nutrition class as well, like gelatin or collagen. Yes. Um, there's even some interesting research out there that they may have some value to satiety themselves, uh, you know, and that kind of stuff. There, I wouldn't be seeking those things for maximal muscle protein synthesis. But again, yeah, there's a lot of good things about that. And I think we've all seen that the typical person who overdoes it. Now, I'm not bashing all vegans. I will never be one, but uh, you've seen ones that overdo it, and they do seem to be almost look deficient or emaciated in some way, like not robust, you know, and I can't help but think it's because they're nibbling on low amounts of plant proteins and in low doses, those aren't going to be the equal. You know, they're just not. Um, All right, so Phil, what would your message be like? You get a new person who comes in, and I know it's very goal oriented. So maybe you can just talk about, you know, different types of goals that are common for you. But what's your message like? They come in, they're like, maybe they're they don't they have no idea. They're like, I'm confused about the media, what it's saying about protein. Is it harmful to me? Should I eat more? Uh, which ones? What do you say to clients when they come in?
2: Oh, my biggest thing is just. Um, <sighs> The average client is just trying to get them to eat real things, you know. It's step number one. It's like let's eat real food. Um, mm-hmm. That's always step number one. Now, if we're talking an athlete, this and that, you know, some of this training hard, I always lean towards that. Let's aim for one gram per pound, yeah, you know, of lean body mass, and just try and eat a, you know, get something every meal. And that's what we're, going back to your last question. I think part of it is like I don't, I don't have to seek it now, but I think it's it's part habitual. I've done it so long that I don't think about it. Yeah. You know, when I go to eat, I just end up gravitating towards that, you know, <clears throat> because mm-hmm. I've done it for 20 years. Um, so it's just making that habit of don't miss this chance, you know, to get some kind of quality protein source. I don't care what it is mm-hmm. because over time, That's you know, it, right? I'm not, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have the same protein in every meal for weeks on end. So over time, it's going to p- pan out. You know, it's I, a good point. chicken for chicken for breakfast, eggs for lunch, you know, tuna for dinner, wh- whatever. Because that know? could oh. be
0: a rookie mistake. Like, you're right. I think we're all yeah. three of us are going to gravitate toward those traditional bodybuilder, powerlifter type foods, you know, yeah. eggs or egg whites. Uh, and I actually still like, even though the technically the protein quality is slightly lower in egg whites versus whole egg. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just I ate so many egg whites. Sometimes I feel like an egg white. I don't know, <laughs> omelet or something, but I. Anyway, I digress. But at the same time, the rookie mistake would be that nope, I'm going to eat nothing but chicken every day or I'm going to eat yep. nothing but uh whey protein powders. And then you miss on miss out on some of the zoo chemicals like like John you were saying and in fact, I I can tell listeners there was a one instance in my life where I was overemphasizing whey casein so much uh and I I donate blood fairly regularly just it's a good thing to do. And my family tends to have kind of high hematocrites and whatnot. So um, I actually ended up like not anemic, right? My red blood cell count wasn't low, but some of my serum ferritin values were actually low because there's an old school clinical term called milk anemia. And I think the point being is that, you know, you're not getting that heme iron from the meats Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. And I actually was low iron. I was really fatigued, and I asked the doctor, I mean, am I low thyroid? I, it didn't even dawn on me. As a nutritionist, it really should have. But, um, yeah, I got away from some of those traditional things, like that variety you guys are talking about. I overdid it. And if there's a risk with the supplements, I think that would be it. That it's, it um, laser focus on one thing, like a too narrow of a focus, you know, would be one of the problems, I guess.
2: So. Yeah, and I think there's a place for that like like when i was dieting down literally i ate the same thing for like four months yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. but that that was for my ease of life you know so it's like okay it's noon so i get this um but other than that once i'm away from that area you know that's that's peaking for an Mm -hmm. event type of thing exactly temporary it's keeping it more diverse you know just change up your vegetables change up your protein sources change up your fat sources you know it's getting some kind of variety and then honestly i think the average athlete out there collegiate athlete or whatever even high school kids most of them i would say are undernourished you know they don't eat they eat enough crap not enough good stuff yeah you know, most college most college people are the same way yeah, and it's just that they're not eating enough good food and it's getting them to realize that if you're eating good food, you can eat a lot and and get and maintain that same body weight yeah um, but your performance will go up, so it's just getting them to lean towards that like we've talked about a bunch of eighty twenty or ninety ten you know um, if you're eating if you're eating the good stuff, it's okay to have the cookies afterwards. You know, you're not going to want a dozen cookies if you just had a 16-ounce steak and some broccoli. You're not right. have room. Mm-hmm. So you can have one. <clears throat> um, so it's just get, it's changing that mindset and getting them to eat, eat real food. And then it's really, I don't know, there's always the argument that it's way more expensive, but it's not that bad. And honestly, like me and my wife have talks about this all the time. It, it's It's where you choose to spend your money. You know, instead of going out, and, and partying or buying this or buying that, we tend to gravitate towards buying quality food, yeah. yeah. Know, and that's our choice. Priorities, but uh, yeah, it's where do your priorities lie? Is it do your priorities lie in staying out till four a.m., getting trashed, or eating quality food and yeah. you know, performing well? Right. So
0: yeah, then you only yeah. have enough money like as a college student to for a greasy microwave <laughs> burrito and a bag of cheese curls. You yeah, know, so. that's your fault.
2: You know, don't yeah. tell me that it's too expensive and then I catch you posting Instagram pictures drinking $8 drinks. <laughs>
0: <You know? laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and it's <coughs> worth saying too, although protein is the most expensive food in the grocery store in many ways. Like for example, you can buy huge bags of beans or rice, which by the way if you mix them together, pretty complete, but you know, the the skinless boneless chicken breast and some of the protein foods are going to be more expensive, but you don't have to spend huge amounts of money to eat well like you keep saying real foods right so less processed stuff um, but it's a good point if you don't prioritize it I'm my concern is, as a nutritionist I guess is that you would end up being victimized by the food industry because they don't they're about sales I could tell you coming from that Vegas conference everything that they talked about was from packaging to coloring to flavors and everything else is to get people to buy more you know now they're interested in the safety of the food and that kind of thing but there was not an automatic connection with health and nutrition like i expected there to be there was some there was some there's a clean label initiative and they're trying to use natural colors phytochemical type colors anthocyanins for blue and you get the idea the reds and oranges from nature to color foods and that's good instead of red number 5 and and junk like that, but I think that's it's important for people to know. That's what we're talking about, right? When when we say real food, we don't we don't mean artificial flavors and colors and tons of added high fructose corn syrup and weird emulsifiers and gums and twenty ingredients in the in the uh, the list, you know, the ingredients list. But uh, simpler stuff, and it doesn't have to be that expensive. Cans of tuna and salmon. You can make salmon patties. Yes,
2: you know, stuff like Eggs that are still. Fairly inexpensive, you know, things like that. It's not that hard. I mean, if I could do it going through graduate school on, like, no income. Right, right. Anybody can do it. You know, that, like we've talked about, I was eating those cans of mackerel. I was like, oh, this is Ugh. horrible and I'll never do it again. Yep. But I did what I had to at that time.
1: Oh, I admit. I <laughs> Actually, actually actually had some, like, mackerel we buy at the store that's, like, in an olive oil or whatever. Like, it was actually kind of good. Oh. <laughs>
0: oh, it's hard for me to eat tuna, uh, to be honest. Canned yeah. tuna I ate so many thousands of cans, yep. you know, uh, because it was, at the time I think it was like 50 cents, 65 cents for a can yeah. of tuna. And, and I would sit there on a bench in the gym before I even left. And I would wash it down with a big orange juice or something like that. But again, it was that attempt to have actual food,
1: you yeah. know,
0: instead of some expensive junk. I don't know. Um, John, what about you? Your message to students or clients when it comes to you know, what do I do about protein? I'm just confused.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not a black and white issue. I think it's, a, it's very different. It becomes more psychological. I think for most people than really anything, Than more like physiological, um, because I remember like working with some of the teams, you know, back, you know, when I was coaching more regularly, it's like they would rather eat, you know, even probably more females than males. I mean, they would rather eat like four or five biscuits than a couple like chicken tenders. Um, you know, or something like that, but it's just, I mean, it's, it's almost like you have to kind of like make yourself do it. If it's something that you're not really used to really doing, I mean, I mean for, it depends on what sport it is too. I mean, if you're in a sport like rugby where it's, you know, very dynamic and you're expending a lot of energy, I mean, you need to be eating and consuming a large amount of, of calories. I mean, the, the college age male, you know, needs 3,000 to 3,500 calories basically just yep. to walk around campus. Yep. You know, thats that doesn't include, you know, the amount of energy you need for recovery and lifting and, uh, you know, activities and stuff. And, and college-age active females, you know, you're looking at, you know, 1,800 to 2,200, maybe, you know, up to 2,500 depending on if they're really heavily active with, with sporting, especially in the end season. Um, but the thing is, is like most, most schools and universities don't have – you know a sports nutritionist or registered dietitian on hand you know and a lot of them that are in different departments don't always you know work in conjunction well with you know with the coaches so i think that's something that you're starting to to see a lot more in the in the recent years but i think it's just being conscious of you know and aware of what what you're eating um you know why you're eating it and is for a lot of people like i said it's it's more psychological, really, than than anything. I mean, what I re- I mean, I could, I could have like four or five donuts right now, but I guarantee you, I'm going to feel and look like crap, you know, than eating my normal, you know, types of food. But sometimes, you know, you can um, you know carb cycle a little bit, um, you know, depending on how you actually really use that and what it's for. So yeah, it's just it's it's hard to say. I mean, there's no like there's no one. Answer. You know what I mean. No.
0: It's behave I like what you said about it. it's. It's largely behavioral too. You know what? What I've yeah. actually. It's worked for me pretty well. Is oftentimes, like for example, with diabetics, uh, there's a concept called carb counting. Uh, but mm-hmm. I sort of bastardized that and protein counting. Like if I try to count up, make sure I get a gram of protein per pound every day. That and again from whole food sources. You know, fairly lean whole food sources. That works wonders for body composition and and recovery and things like that because if you're full if you're full of chicken or some you know steak or whatever you're not full of the you know high fructose corn syrup kind of milkshakes and french fries and junk you know because it's got say tidy value and and all of that sort of thing so I think that idea of sort of protein counting uh can be a, a a real advantage. Like last night, for example, we got pizza with the family, and I'm trying to, you know, tighten down my diet a little bit in some ways. So we had some pre-cooked chicken breasts that we keep in the freezer because behaviorally it's easy for me to grab those. I know they're they have more sodium and that kind of stuff. I'm not going to worry about that. But anyway, it just chunked it up and put it on every piece of pizza. So then instead of just eating you know my usual six or eight pieces of pizza i would have two and they're just laden they already had like they were like a spinach chicken kind of white pizza or whatever loaded up with the with the the chicken the pre-cooked chicken on top and it's sort of add the protein to it you know that way i'm not going nutso on a half a dozen pieces of pizza and um i'm just trying to in that case i guess it's a little bit of meal rehab in a sense but
2: well i think for your athletes that's uh, essentially a lot of them especially college age or younger that's all they really need to pay attention to you know if they just get that in and the calories mm-hmm. it's gonna work out you know yeah. they're not gonna eat as much just by getting that protein in by default they're not gonna eat as much crap
0: right you gotta you eat know? something just, right Yeah, you because
2: know, they're gonna be full
0: right you know? right <laughs> so, more to actual eat <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And let's face it. I mean, there's tons of research. I've got some of my own I need to present. And I know Dr. Antonio, I mentioned earlier uh, with guys that were lifting weights, but they were eating copious amounts of protein and they were no fatter because of it. Like if there's a, I I know like the typical uh, dietitian approach is no, all, you know, all calories count, it's calorie balance, but don't tell me that, you know, 500 calories worth of skinless boneless chicken breast is the same thing as an arctic orange shake at mcdonald's you know it's not going to do the same thing to your body composition because the way you have to process it you you know your metabolism so
2: well and just what you're getting out of it oh right macro and micronutrient yeah absolutely it's totally different so
0: all right well so again short episode this week everyone but Schools underway. Uh, check out the Instagram pages, uh, Twitter pages. We're all over the place now. We're making a conscious effort with this stuff. I know Dr. Mike has uh, those uh, social media accounts as well. Check us out. You know, Google it, whatever. I also want to offer thanks to um, a, a few unrated supporters before we go. Uh, Nathan, Matthew, Robert, and Fred. You are, again, it's random. You're the guys that I noticed are supporters. We appreciate what you're doing. You keep Iron Radio going. Again, it's sort of public radio style format. And um, there you go. So practical tips this week on on protein, especially with all the hysteria in the news. All
2: right. We'll see you next time. Until next week.
0: Hey, listeners.